Thank you for tuning in to our Bold as a Lion Ministries podcast. Uh, for more teachings, uh, go to boldasalionministries.com. Uh, we have all of them posted weekly. If you like what you hear, feel free to subscribe to our iTunes, Google Play. Uh, use all those resources, play and download as much as you possibly want. Also, we're running a Project 500 campaign where we're trying to get 500 sponsors at $20 a month uh, to go towards our media ministry so that we can make it bigger and better for you every single week. We hope you enjoy our teaching. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Open your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. Light shines is the name of this one, okay? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Everybody go right there, all right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. It says right here, you are the light of the world. Uh, you know, it says in the scripture also, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, right? Look that up real quick. I am the light of the world. So Jesus, is actually says this in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, uh, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay? John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. That's what we're going to talk about. See, a lot of people, when they talk about Jesus, um, what people don't, here's, here's what I'm going to try to break today. I'm going to try to break something. We have this understanding, and it's not wrong, it's just not complete. Okay? We have an understanding that Jesus is the answer, right? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? No man can come to the Father except through me, right? That's in John chapter 14. Okay, I think it's verse twelve. I don't know what verse it is. It's what verse? Shoot, look it up real quick. So everybody's got John chapter eight. Everybody's got John Matthew chapter uh, five, right? The way, the truth, and the life. I believe it's John chapter fourteen. It's John chapter fourteen six. Okay, I mix up John chapter fourteen six and twelve because twelve says, "If you believe in me, you'll do the so same thing." Twelve six and twelve. So John, it, we're gonna write all these down. And you're gonna go look them back up when we're done. Okay. All right. I'm giving you a bunch of scripture references. I'm gonna teach on them, and y'all can go study them yourself. All right. Just write the scripture down. Yes, sir. So John fourteen six says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me." Right. All right, so we teach on that, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way. It says, he says, I'm the door. No one can get to the Father except through me, right? Anyone who tries to get a different way, uh, you know, is false, right? So, we see right here, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Over here in John chapter 8, verse 12. Let's read that one real quick. And again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay? Now, what's interesting about that is um, it's not just like the light of life. Like, you know, back in the day, um, whenever the Israelites were in the wilderness, they would follow a pillar of fire in the middle of the that night. Was the 40 years they were with Moses. That's right. 40 years they were in the wilderness. Yeah. So, like, when Jesus was saying that, he was likening himself unto the pillar of fire you know that when they in the middle of the night when they are walking through the darkness that he was the light of their life that's good stuff anyone who follows me why would he say follows me in the dark except for the yeah in the dark Mm -hmm. he's shown the light in the darkness okay he's shown the light in the darkness so the pharisees said to him you are bearing witness about yourself your testimony is not true jesus answered even if i do bear witness about myself my testimony is true 
For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even I, if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law it's written uh, that the testimony of two people is true. Something goes on, there's a bunch of stuff there. but Alright, so, Jesus says here in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light. Okay? Now, here's the problem. We focus so much a lot of times in our churches that Jesus is the light, you know, like Jesus is the one who heals. Jesus is the one who sets you free, right? I've even had, uh, I've had people go around and say, man, I went out here and I saved this guy and somebody else would get all over him for saying, you're not the one who saves, Jesus is the one who saves, all right? So here's, here's the issue. Um, Jesus does all the saving, yes, but where does Jesus live? In us. In, your heart. in us. Oh, that's right. If he comes into you, that's right. Yes, it's both of us. So we, Scripture says right here, let's look it up real quick. Um, we are co-laborers with Christ. Let's look that one up, okay? Yeah, where there's children. They're on the planet Earth. <clears throat> says uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Let's go there real quick. Keep your finger in Matthew 5, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. We'll go back up here to verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I like that. Servants from whom, through whom you believed. So there's a servant that came to you and you believed through him. Now when we look at Paul, we don't really look at him as a servant. We look at him as a leader, right? We look at him as a, you know, a chieftain of the, of the gospel. But, but Paul didn't consider himself anything except a servant. It's good. You know, it's, so re it's really good. We've got to understand how much of a servant we, re we really are before God really promotes us. Okay? Um, so he comes through. He says, I planted. Uh, so they have different levels? They're all servants. But God promotes. The, devil, the servants have different levels. Yes. So it's right here. Uh, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God always gives the increase. <clears throat> so it says right here, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. All right? So we realize that we are co-workers with Christ. We work with Christ. We're not the actual source of the light. However, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says you are the light. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about the balance between this. How Christ does all the work. God gives all the increase, but we're just a servant. Okay? But we also have to realize something about even Jesus. Oh, man, there's so much good stuff here. Uh, in Isaiah, in the prophet of Isaiah, it talks about the suffering servant. Jesus says, there's no, there's disciples not above his teacher, yet I'm the one serving you. So we have to realize something about Jesus, even Jesus himself. In Philippians, in Philippians, it says that Christ didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he came in the form of a servant. Even in the weakness of man, even to the point of death, humbled himself. And therefore, he has now been exalted to the highest spot. Okay? So, here's the thing, guys. Jesus came as a servant. We are servants. Okay? There's a lot of things that we actually, um, we portray Jesus. The scripture says that we are the body of Christ. Okay? So, what we're going to talk about here today is how everything comes through God but Christ was just an example of how we were supposed to be living, okay? He was actually a servant 
a man, and he didn't do his miracles because he was a deity. First Corinthians chapter three verse nine <clears throat> says right here, for we are. Or verse 8, he who plants and, and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Okay, so this is important. What we have to realize is we're co-laborers with Christ. That Christ didn't do all the work, he was the beginning. He was the cornerstone. He was the cornerstone, but he didn't. It says, "I am the beginning and the end." I believe he's the cornerstone, the cornerstone, and the and the top cap, the end cap. You know what I mean? The end piece. But between there is us. Okay, there's something we have a work to do. Here's what happens: we we have a hyper grace message that teaches, well, God's going to do it all. Okay, cornerstone. All right, here's what a cornerstone is. If you're in masonry. Your first piece of, corn, of of stone comes in there, and it has to be perfectly square. And it gets set, and the next stone goes on it. And the next stone goes on it and built on it. If the cornerstone is skewed this way or that way, then the whole wall gets off. Okay, so the cornerstone is the first one. It's the first one they built. In fact, it's uh, a lot of times they would build their whole castle on that cornerstone. And when the enemy would come through, they would go to the corner of the wall, okay? And they would dig underneath the corner of the wall, and the whole wall would come crumbling down because of that corner piece. So the cornerstone is uh, very important. Okay. All right. So we're going to look up the three, the the, the, the gifts of the talents. Okay. Um, Matthew chapter twenty-five, Matthew chapter twenty-five, verse uh, fourteen through thirty, it says right here, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to, an, to each according to his ability. Okay? Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents here, and I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Now we might look at him and be like, Oh man, he had five talents. Man, he had, he had more than anybody else. He had a lot. Jesus, God says, What you have is a little. Whatever you've been given, oh, so good. Whatever you've been given, it is a little. He wants to give you more. But you have to be faithful with what you have right now. It's good. Mm. I don't care. I don't care if you have a multi-million dollar business. I don't care if you have a hundred churches. It's still a little compared to what he wants to give you. It's good. All right. Be faithful with the little you have. So also, he who had the two talents came two talents uh, made two talents more. All right. So uh, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And also, he who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master. You delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. Now, I have a question. Just because the one guy got five and the other guy got two, did they get the same reward? They got the same reward from their from their master. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, they were given more, and one was given five more, one was given two more. So what they were given was different, but the same recognition was given to both. You see what I'm saying? The same well done, good and faithful servant. But the master was pleased with the one who got two more. 
So a lot of times we look, we try to compare ourselves to so and so over here. Mm-hmm. Stop comparing yourself to so and so over there. Are you doing double what you're doing now? Are you increasing? That's all you need to do. Don't be trying to compare yourself to if you're if you're going into ministry or if you're mm-hmm. going into uh, as a, a, a regular saint and you're trying to compare yourself to other people in the ministry and well I'm not as good as so and so over there. I don't have as much fruit as that person. No, listen. What are you doing with the little you have? Did you increase what you had? That's all God cares about. He don't care whether or not you got, you know, a following of 100,000 people or two. He don't care about that. What he cares is are you increasing what you've been given? Every person has a ministry. God has equipped the saints with the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers and pastors, right? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Who does the ministry? Not not the fivefold. The saints. <laughs> My job is to equip you so you can do the work. You see? The saints do the work of the ministry. We get so bent out of shape about, well, I'm just not as anointed as my pastor. Quit it. The pastor is not supposed to be doing all the work. The pastor is not supposed to be doing all the work. The pastor is supposed to be pouring into you, and you're supposed to be going out into the world preaching the gospel. And that's what we're talking about here. Light shines. You are the light of the world. Are you shining? Are you doing anything with what you got? That's the real question. You got to be doing something with it. Whether you're a pastor or a prophet or a teacher or a saint. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. You all have work to do. <coughs> so where are we at? Uh, we were in first. We were in Matthew chapter 25, right? His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. This is the um, Calvinist's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it is. Calvinist? Yes, a Calvinist believes that... Uh, the, uh, the Calvinists believe that everything happens um, for, reason. for a reason. They believe that um, God's in control of everything. And they also believe that, well, it's just not biblical. I'm sorry. It's not? <laughs> everything does happen for a reason. No. Well, Two reasons. To destroy your faith or build your faith. Yep. But it's one, not always from God. But it, I've been lucky. You know, I've been luckier than lucky. Check it out. It's not always from God. Okay? No, what the Calvinists God? will say... The Calvinists believe in the supreme uh, sovereignty of God, and their understanding of sovereignty isn't even a, a real definition. But it's no, it's not in the Bible. Sovereignty, they say that God is sovereign. Well, it's the sovereignty of God. The so- Where they get this from is whenever it talks about how Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Okay, well, first of all, it was hardened, which means it was already hard. He just hardened it. He made it, hard. he made it word. He made it worse. When the guy wouldn't repent, he I made it worse. You worse. see? But you have to understand, too. Something like that. Uh, check this out. It wasn't... God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart when he put him in slavery. God didn't tell Pharaoh to kill, the, to kill all the babies. You see? Yeah. It was Pharaoh who did that. Then God said, I'm going to pass judgment on Pharaoh and all his gods. Pharaoh was punished. That's right. So he was punished for his sin. He was, uh, God sent judgment onto Pharaoh for his sin. What did you do to him? The ten plagues of Egypt. Oh, is that what that was? That was. With the locusts and all that? Mm-hmm. 
All right, so you, everybody following what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but they get this from there because of Romans chapter 8. And they even go into talking about predestination. Listen, everybody was predestined. Everybody was predestined to go to heaven. How can you take one chapter of the Bible and then misunderstand a few things? Because in Ezekiel it says that God says, I desire that none should perish, but all should repent and live. And Jesus says, my father desires that none of these little ones should perish. Okay, so how can you say that the will of God is that some people go to hell and some people go to heaven? And that's what the Calvinists believe. They believe that if you're going to heaven, it's because God chose you. If you're going to hell, it's because God chose that. What is it? Wait a minute. What is a Calvinist? That's what I'm trying to explain. Everything I just said is what a Calvinist believes. So that's the proper... It's not the proper. What I'm trying to show you is it's a nightmare for them when I'm going to read this scripture to you. So okay? there was a breed of those people back then. <clears throat> and they're still here today. Really? Okay. You either believe or you Well, don't. okay, see what's interesting about Calvinism is Calvinism is not a church. It's a thought. Uh, and it is, uh, it is actually an infestation into our churches. And it's not just one church or not just one denomination that believes wow. this. It, the, it's, it's literally, I think it's a false doctrine. It's completely contradictory to the scripture. They twist scripture is what they do. They're toothpaste. Yeah, but here, let me. Is that what that means? No, no. Right. Listen. They talk about the sovereignty of God. Listen, if you look at the word sovereign, it just means the right to rule. If you... It's the right to, to self-govern and to govern, okay? If you look up, when you say, oh, we are a sovereign nation, what that means is that that nation has rights to create laws and to judge its constituents for those laws. So if you come into, like, uh, 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 the United Nations, okay, they vote on different nations' sovereignty. What they're saying is, do they have a right to rule? What sovereign means is this person has the final word on a subject, okay? He will have final judgment. What sovereignty means is that God's going to judge everybody on a final judgment day. That's what sovereignty means, okay? Okay, yeah. It means he is going to judge each person. Now, there are judgments that happen in the world. You know, if you study the Old Testament, you see that clearly. You know, that God would judge. Even before the final judgment, he would send judgment, you see? And so this was the sovereignty of God. But when Jesus came into the world, he says, I came not to condemn the world, but I came to save it. So we have entered into a place, just wait for a minute. We came into a, a, a time frame now where Jesus has said, I've taken the judgment. You see? Jesus, how can you get judged for your sin and Jesus be judged too? It's called double jeopardy. So when people get sick, they're like, well, God sent that on me. Okay? The only way I can... Now, the only way I can reason with this, that it could possibly happen this way, hear me out on this one, okay? I don't think I've heard anyone teach on this, okay? But if you are in covenant with God, this is, the, this is if, you, if you study Isaiah chapter 54, it says, if you're in covenant with, you'll be established in my covenant of peace. I have a question. Is everyone established in the covenant of peace? No. No, they're not. No. They're not. This is very... This is an interesting revelation, okay? I don't think I've heard anybody else teach on this. I'm going to teach it. It's a little dangerous because it could separate me the from all the churches. The covenant of God is something physical, isn't it? The covenant? Just wait till the end. We'll have a discussion at the end, okay? <clears throat> when I, this, If you go to Isaiah 54, it says, I will establish him in my covenant of peace. But not everybody is in that covenant of peace. If you're not in Christ, you're not with peace. You're not in peace with God. You see? So when all hell breaks loose in your life, 
it's because you're not in covenant with God. You see? Mm-hmm. So there is a... I hate to say it like this. I'm not trying to say that God's out to get you. Hear me out. I'm not saying God's out to get you. I'm saying there is a law that has been set in place that says, for the wages of sin is death. It was said before Christ. But if we want to know the heart of Christ, if we want to know the heart of the Father, Jesus shows us the true heart of the Father, that God desires not that the wicked should perish, but that they should repent and live. You see what I'm saying? So when all hell breaks loose in your life because you're not serving God, it's not that God is trying to kill you. It's just you're living. You're just not living in covenant. You're not. You're not taking part of the promises of God because your faith is set on something different. You see, be it according to your faith. Does it make sense what I'm trying to say? Mm, it's hard. It's a real hard teaching here, huh? It's not like having shelter, like you're in a house. Yes. Tornadoes are all out there, but you're not in this house. You're not protected. <laughs> yeah. You're covering authority. Covering. It's like this. Um. Yes, there is a covering. It's it's just like that. If I tell you, hey man, put this umbrella on. It's yeah. raining outside. Put it on. Put it over your head. If you put it over your head, you won't get rained on. And then you say, uh, when you take off that umbrella and you don't have the umbrella and you go out in the rain, you're like, man, these clouds, they hate me, right? I mean, you just no, you're listen. You are entered into the rain, where it's gonna make you wet. You know, it's just a matter of reality. You chose to be like, there. If you want to go to outer space, I'll space suit because I can do what I want. But in outer space, you need a space suit because that world is. There's not. laws in space. Yeah. Don't take off your helmet. There's rules. That yes. Chill in space. You're you're talking about the God who created creation. Don't need you going out of space, right? Listen, whenever God created the law, listen, listen, listen. Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight. It wasn't when you, when God created a law. Okay, you see in Deuteronomy chapter 28 where he says, here's your list of blessings and here's a list of curses. I set before you today a choice. Choose life or choose death. Okay? It wasn't saying, hey man, y'all are hopeless cause. I'm going to come after you and I'm going to kill you. You, hear, you see what I'm saying? This isn't what God was, God's heart isn't to destroy us. God's heart is to restore us. Why? We're already in a hopeless position. Uh, I've said this illustration before, you know, when people get mad, well, are you telling me that if I don't choose Jesus, he's going to send me to hell? Look, you're already going to hell. Come on. Jesus came to save you from hell. It's just like being out in the water at the Titanic, and if I threw a a life preserver out to you and you got offended at me for throwing a life preserver, what are you telling me? If I don't grab this life (laughs) preserver, I'm going to drown and freeze to death? Uh, Yes, I'm not telling you that I, but I'm not throwing you in the water. You're already in the water, you see. Mm-hmm. It's not. I'm not. We're not. See what we see God as is this big bad person always trying to come out and get us. When the truth is, God has just set up laws. If we break those laws, they bring death. You see why? Because God has created this order that we could live life and live life abundantly. But we chose to do our own thing and our own wisdom and our own understanding, and this caused us to fail. We're malfunctioning now. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. But we want to blame God. Well, God sent all this stuff on me. No, you are living in sin, and sin reaps corruption. Here's what we understand. Listen, we, we cannot mistaken the judgment of God as making God not... <coughs> Chapter 54, verse 1. All right? We cannot look at the judgment of God as all of a sudden making God look like a bad guy. 
like this is the problem I think with some of the churches, um, even in the charismatic movement, is that they portray God. They think that judgment makes God evil. Judgment doesn't make God evil. It just makes him not a liar. I'm gonna say that again. The judgment of God does not make God evil. The judgment of God just makes him not a liar. It actually makes him very good. I'm going to read Isaiah 54. Watch this guy. Isaiah 54. People use it in the charismatic movement all the time to show the goodness of God. But in Isaiah 54, it talks about this judgment, wrathful side of God, too, that we don't deal with. You know, I, I used to get upset with my denominational church in the past for skipping over tongues. Now I'm getting upset with the certain denominations I, I, I'm watching that skip over the wrath of God. God's wrath is real. The fear of God is real. It's a real fear. With, okay? I mean, when you talk about God prophesying in Jeremiah that they would eat their own kids because Ooh, they would... Okay? Listen, you're talking about um, the wrath of God is a real thing. We don't need to play with it. Even in the New Testament, people drop dead for lying to the Holy Spirit. Okay. Even in the New Testament... Paul um, cursed a man who uh, was trying to <clears throat> deceive the Sanhedrin, and he became blind. Paul himself was made blind. So it, was it bad that God blinded Paul? Was that evil? Is it evil that God blinded Paul? We have to deal with this. This is real stuff. Listen, we go, in the, listen, we go into one church over here, and they don't ever want to talk about the supernatural gifts of God. Why? Because they believe in the sovereignty of God. They can't believe God for anything. Then you want to come over here to this group over here, and they say God's good, and that he never does anything what they define as evil, judgment is not evil. Judgment is ju is good. Judgment is just. Judgment is holy. Okay? But what's above judgment? Mercy. So we see Jesus as being the merciful one. But Jesus went and turned over tables in the temple. I mean, look. If we... To define anger and wrath as evil would make God evil. Anger is actually... Uh, an emotion you have because of evil. Injustice. Because of an injustice that you feel. Yeah. The only time that your anger is wrong is when you have a skewed understanding of justice. If you're getting angry about something that isn't that big of a deal, that's when you're angry. That's why the scripture says the anger of man will not bring about the righteousness of God. Well, we also have a misunderstanding because whenever we, when we ate the tree of knowledge and good and evil, okay, the tree of knowledge and good and evil we immediately... When Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, All the bad fruit. yes, sir, then they became understanding about right and wrong. Mm -hmm. But they had a. But listen, listen, listen. You can have ju a judge that's corrupt. Mm -hmm. Can you not? Yes. You can have the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Listen, let me show you something that happened here. When God created Adam and Eve, He said, "Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil." All right. It's like me. First of all. God created them and made them the authority figures on the earth. Wait a minute to the end. God created man with authority over the earth. How can you rule and reign if you don't know right and wrong? How are you going to rule and reign without knowledge? All right, so let me show you something. The tree of knowledge and good and evil was the shortcut that they were trying to take. They were like, well, I can do things on my own. I can do it my own way. Listen, why could they, how could they rule and reign? Well, he's going to show them. God was going to show them. Mm, why? God is the perfect judge. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay, so why do you need a tree of knowledge of good and evil when you've got the perfect judge and you're walking in communion with him? Mm -hmm. 
So, <clears throat> God, it's not that he didn't want them to know right and wrong. It's that he wanted to teach them. Why? He's a father. Hmm. He's a father. He wants to teach them right and wrong. I don't think that God... Listen, I, talk, I have my daughter who's seven years old, and I tell her, don't go in the street. But when she's 16 years old, I'm going to teach her how to drive in the street. You see? But over the next 10 years, she's going to learn, watch this, fear of the road. All right. Some of y'all might think I'm a horrible dad for doing this. All right. You know what I did when, I was, when my daughter was little? Yeah, I don't know. I shouldn't tell the story. People are going to think I'm really mad, bad, but... Okay, so I talked... Okay. You know, I'm stern with my children. I spank my children when they do wrong. And I raise my voice at them. Child, and I put the fear of dad... I, hear me? I put the fear of dad in my, my children. You know why I raise my voice? I don't want to have to spank them. If they will respect and fear my voice, then they won't have to get a spanking. Right. Why? I don't want to spank my children. You see? Now, just because I've raised my voice to my children doesn't mean that I hate them. It actually means that I love them. Make sense? Now, if I'm getting irritable with them because they're doing something that annoys me and I raise my voice at them, that's wrong. That's evil. That is a skewed understanding of justice. But if I look at my children and say, listen to me, here's the rule. Don't go in the street. If you go in the street, you'll die. If you stay out of the street, you'll live. But he's seven years old. But I drive in the street all the time. So is this, what does this mean? Well, that's why the devil said, oh, you won't die. Why? Because if my seven-year-old goes in the street right now, is she going to die? No, she might not die right then. But if she keeps on playing in the middle of the street, she might die. But I'm going to tell her, you're going to die. You know what I did? More, Listen. More dangerous out there. <clears throat> so I had to get this scenario where I, because I knew, I, what if I'm not always around to tell her? What if one day I turn my back and she starts taking off on the road? So I sat there one day and I tried to teach her. I said, Listen, you don't ever go in the street. You don't ever go in the street. So had a ball. We're sitting there on the sidewalk. I said, never go in the street. And I rolled the ball out. Ah, I said, don't go in the street. Ah, she starts crying. Ah, I said, you go on the street, you're going to get a spanking. You understand me? But I threw the ball out there on purpose. Because right. mm -hmm. I'm testing my daughter. Now, I'm not trying to destroy my daughter. The test wasn't test supposed to destroy my daughter. The test was to get my daughter to open her eyes. Watch. If I can have her fear me, not it's not tormenting fear like, Oh, dad's out to get me. You see what I'm saying? Fear. Yes. But there is a fear of the board. You see what I'm saying? I don't want to get a spanking with the board. That is a fear. That's a true fear. But it's not a fear of, man, that, that board can just come off the wall any moment now and just beat the crap out of me. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's unpredictable. Listen, what, when, fear, when fear is bad is when it's unpredictable. 